You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Are you ready for the word this morning? How many of you have, have felt like God has done something in your life through this series by show of hands? If God has spoken in your life, and how, how many of you enjoyed Pastor Lee last week? Was that not awesome? I want to encourage you, uh, if you missed last week's sermon, be sure to go back and look where Pastor Lee talks about raising teenagers in today's generation and three things that every teenager needs in order for them to be spiritually full, in order for their faith to grow deeper with Jesus. So we've been in this series titled Family Matters. Everybody say family matters. Many of the issues that we see in our culture today can be tied to the breakdown of the family unit. When we read scripture, we recognize that God establishes the family unit. God has a lot to say about your marriage, about your relationships, about your friendships, and especially about raising kids. Can I get an amen on that? God has a lot to say about these things. God establishes the family unit, and after all, I mean, it makes sense that God would do that because our creator knows how his creation should function. And he also knows how the creation, what it takes for his creation to function the best. And therefore, we have the family unit where God establishes boundaries, perimeters. And so we've been discussing this. These past couple of weeks, I don't think it, it catches any of us off by, by, by surprise. When we look at the things and the breakdown that is happening in our culture, the hurts, all of these can be linked to a breakdown in the family unit. And I just want to remind us today that, that through this series, how many of you know that as much as we have goals for the family unit, as much work as it takes to have a healthy family, how many of you also know that being in a, in a family unit, it's fun, right? We go on adventures. We enjoy one another. It's not all stressful setting these benchmarks. I remember uh, a couple weeks ago, my three-year-old Cadence, um, she's starting to uh, get acclimated to different Disney movies. She's coming to the point now to where she can sit for more than 10 seconds, praise God, during a movie and enjoy it. And one of the things that she's been enjoying and asking a lot of questions about is the infamous Peter Pan. And so I remember we're watching this, which by the way, have you ever thought about how creepy Peter Pan is? I'm just saying, comes in the middle of the night, takes your kids, that's a horror movie. So anyways, <laughs> Cadence, Cadence is enjoying this and she's, she's kind of asking questions about Peter Pan. And I, I, I'm so interested by the, uh, the, the concept of the Lost Boys, right? How many of you, when you were kids, you had to wonder at least one time when exposed to Peter Pan, like what would it be like to be a lost boy, all on my own, setting up my, my, my own rules, my own standards, having friends, living in a treehouse is enough to win any young boy over. And so we're watching this, this movie and I'm, I'm noticing, you know, the pattern of these lost boys. They're just kind of wild. They're on their own. And I'm sitting there asking the question, you know, what does that look like? And I just felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, look at the culture around us. It's happened. When we have 22 million children under the age of 18 who don't have a family unit, 
friends, that's going to impact their development. Whenever I turn on the news and I see all of these riots and brokenness, there's so much anger in these young people that I can't help but notice, friends, it's not about politics. There's something deeper going on in their hearts. And I watched this video of this pastor who was going up and down the streets, which, which by the way, everywhere where you see these riots happening, God is doing something. The media won't portray it, but I'm telling you, all it takes is a couple Google searches, and you'll see that there really is revival taking place in Atlanta right now, where people are getting baptized in the streets, where there are street services happening, incredible things. So this pastor's walking up and down the, the streets, and he has this large crowd of young people around him. They all look to be in their mid-20s or, or younger, and he's talking to them, and he, he screams out, how many of you have a father at home? And out of a crowd of hundreds of young people, two hands went up. And I'll never forget in my own life doing prison ministry, and, and, and I went with an associate pastor, and, and I, I hear this story that he tells where he opens up his, his service to kind of bring, it, bring everyone's attention in, and he asks this room full of inmates, how many of you feel loved by your earthly father? Not a single hand went up. He, he asks the question, how many of you came from a home where your father was present and not a single hand went up? The family unit impacts children's development. There's no denying it. Psychology has a lot of disagreements. Different people who are in the field of psychology, you'll find these experts often disagree on things, but there's one thing that experts in, this, in the field of psychology agree on, and that's the fact that the family unit deeply impacts a child's development. You can't deny that. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about how Jesus... Jesus changes these statistics. Come on, somebody. That when we have hope in Jesus, there's, there's just this factor that clears out. When we look at statistics of how children development, it, it, it's disrupted when they, when they recognize that their father is in heaven. There's an identity that's attached to receiving love by Christ. When, when, we, when we look at these statistics and we introduce Christ into the equation, it, it, just, it changes everything. If anything, we learned last week from Pastor Lee, if you remember, he talked about how parents are the, the number one influence in a child's development, but recent studies have determined that there's a bigger influence than parents, and that's the Holy Spirit. There's hope in Jesus. I said there's hope in Jesus. This morning, I want to talk to you, as we close out this sermon series, I want to talk to you about instilling of faith in our children that outlives us. Instilling a faith in our children that outlives us. It doesn't matter if, your kid, if you have grandkids. If you have grandkids, I'm talking to you about instilling a faith in them and your grandkids that outlives you, that outlives their parents. If you come in contact with kids, with teenagers, with young people, this series is for you. Instilling a faith that outlives us. 
How many of you would recognize that it's not about getting our kids like to be, to be just kind of okay students and, and, and they're good kids and then once they, they fly the nest, once they fly the coop, well, it's all on them. How many of you know that we've got to have a long-term vision that has, that has Christ in their relationship for the rest of their lives? Amen, church? Long-term vision where Christ is the center of it all. If we want to see our children have a relationship with Jesus that outlives us, we must openly discuss our faith experience with our kids. I want to say that one more time. We must openly discuss our faith experience with our kids. Luke chapter 8, verse 35 through 39 says this. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found a man whom the demons had gone out. Sitting at Jesus' feet and dressed in his right mind, they were afraid those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all of the people in the region of Jerusalem asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell everyone how much God has done for you. So the man went away. And told all over the town how Jesus had healed him. How many of you would recognize that that is a powerful testimony? When you walk up to people, there's no casual way of saying, oh, and by the way, I was demon possessed. <laughs> like you can't just slip that into a conversation, right? Oh, how was your day? I used to be demon possessed. There's no light way of opening that up because it's such a powerful happening. But friends, I want to talk to you this morning about how you and I have a similar testimony and the fact that we have all been oppressed by demonic influences. And Jesus has relieved us of that oppression. And it's important, this, this story, the people recognize that there was a difference in this man's life. He was not who he used to be. How many of you thank God that we are not who we used to be? And he has this testimony, I'm not who I used to be. And you and I have that testimony. And friends, our kids need to hear about it. We have to discuss our faith openly as if it's just as natural about talking about cars or the weather or for some of us politics. Faith has got to be a hot topic in our homes. It's got to be comfortable for us to talk to our kids about where they are spiritually. It has to be comfortable for you and I to talk to our spouses about where we are spiritually. Can I get an amen on that? It has to be a part of our language because just like this man who Jesus healed and touched and set free had an incredible testimony, you have a testimony. Are you all awake this morning? Come on, somebody. You have a testimony. Had it been for the grace of God, some of you wouldn't even be here. Had it not been for the grace of God, some of you would still be broken somewhere else, lost, trying to find your identity. But for the grace of God, here you are. That's a powerful testimony. I'm not who I used to be because I encountered a man who told me everything I had ever done. 
you and I have a similar testimony. The fact that we're not who we used to be and our kids have to know this. And sure, friends, don't get me wrong. There's a time when your kids have to see you as like the unshakable rock, right? Especially those who have toddlers and the household. God bless you. Godspeed, friend. Godspeed. And there has to be a moment in time where they see you as that unshakable rock. As I discussed a couple weeks ago, the household is not a democracy. It is a theocracy, and I am Theo. (laughs) And your kids have got to get that, and I understand that. But friends, there has to come a time when they need to have their eyes open that your strength every day comes from Christ. There has to come a time when they recognize you as my strong mom, my strong dad, when they recognize you as they strong parents, but there has to come a time when they recognize that your strength is not man-made. Your strength is not your own. There has to be a time where we have that conversation that says, had it not been for Christ, come on somebody, had it not been for Christ, I would have never been able to be a father let alone a decent one. Had it not been for Christ, our kids have to know this by us having conversations about our faith with them. This isn't deep theology this morning. But friends, when I encounter young people and I tell them how my dad and I still to this day sit on his back porch and have spiritually deep conversations and the feedback that I hear from kids who grew up in a Christian home and they say, I have never talked about my faith with my parents. Something is missing. You and I have a testimony. There's still times to this day where my family, when we gather around together and I hear the testimony of my dad in the home that he grew up in, I can't help but get choked up. Because my parents, as I've shared many times before, man, they set the standard high. I've never heard them disagree with one another. My dad honored my mom in every way imaginable. I never heard them argue. I never heard my dad raise his voice to my mom. But I recognize that that's because of his relationship with Christ. Because the home that he grew up in, it doesn't make sense. It shouldn't have been that good growing up. Everything in our household shouldn't have been in harmony like it was. Statistically, it doesn't make sense, but Jesus... Our kids need to hear about our faith, our struggles, but they need to recognize that our strength every day comes from Christ. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, my strength doesn't even come from Christ yet, then I would say that sets a benchmark, a goal that we've got to work towards. Amen, church? I said amen, church? There's power in your testimony. When you share your testimony, it validates the power of Christ. Are you hearing me? When you share your testimony, you see, as a pastor, I have sat across the coffee table with many atheists, with many people of different religions, and there's many things that we can debate on, 
that we can discuss our disagreements and how we interpret scriptures and who Jesus was and the fact that he came back to life and the evidence of that. And we go back and forth in a dialogue, and this happens often as a pastor. But there's one thing that people cannot debate, and that's my testimony. There's one thing that people can't debate with you, and that's your personal experience with Jesus. When you have an altar encounter with Jesus, nobody can come up and say, ah, you ate bad food that night. And you were hallucinating, all right? Nobody can take away your testimony. At the prior church that I, that I served at as a youth pastor, we had one man on staff and gentleman in his late 70s, and he was one of the kindest pastors I've ever met. I mean, this, this gentleman would come up to me and, and I, he, he just have you ever met somebody that when they look at you, you just smile because you know that like, this is a really good person. No, just me. Okay. <laughs> and so this man, he just, he would look at me every time we had a staff meeting, every time we gathered at the church and, and his soft voice, I can still hear it where he would look and he would go, hello, young pastor. And that was how he greeted me man in his late 70s who was a far more seasoned pastor than I was called me pastor. It just melted my heart. And we would sit there and he would make these lighthearted jokes and he would lean back in his, in his chair and enter into the conversation. And I just looked at this man and he was like the epitome of soft, gentle, kind, and loving. The fruits of this spirit were evident in every exchange that you had with him. And he just had that relationship with Jesus where you looked at him and you said, I, I want what you have. And this man, one day for staff meeting, we're going around the table talking about our testimonies. And one thing that I've learned is, you know, in some church settings, you have people where they present their, their testimony, God bless them, and it makes it sound like when they became a, a Christian, it was, it was the most bo boring experience in their life. I used to be wild and crazy, then I found God. <laughs> Praise him. Hallelujah. But in a room full of pastors, you know, pastors are often looked at as these fortresses. In a room full of pastors sharing their testimonies, you could just feel in the atmosphere the hurt, the shame of who we used to be. And we're going around the table, and it comes to this older gentleman, and I'm like, what kind of testimony does this guy have? There's no way he's ever struggled with anything. He just soft, gentle, kind. When he prayed, it just made you feel the love of Christ. The anointing was just so thick. And his first statement, I'll never forget, he says, well, I used to be in a gang. Did he say, did he say gang? Did he say gang? And he starts telling us his testimony. The person that he described is not the man I knew. He tells us this testimony of him doing prison time. Of him running around with a crew. 
getting this close to getting hooked on drugs. And he talks about how a man by the name of David Wilkerson started a ministry called Teen Challenge and how he came to know Christ through David Wilkerson's ministry. Friends, I'm going to say it one more time before moving on to our next point this morning. Your testimony validates the transformational power of Christ. Don't withhold that from your kids. Don't withhold it from your grandkids. Allow them to see the person that you're describing is not the grandpap, the father, the grandmother, the mother, the friend, whatever the connection is that I know. Allow them to see that. Amen? If we want to see our children have a relationship with Jesus that outlives us, we need to provide a space for kids to wrestle with tough faith questions. I'm going to say that one more time. We need to provide a space for kids to wrestle with tough faith questions. I want to talk to you for a moment about a man named Thomas. And I think that when we think of, when we picture a disciple, when we picture a follower of Jesus doubting, it's got to be Thomas. All of the disciples come to him and they're like, oh, hey, Jesus is alive. We just saw him. And and Thomas, I love his response because how many of you in the room are analytical? You come from a background, come on by show of hands. You're like, I hear a fact and I'm skeptical. And that's Thomas, and I can relate to that. And here's Thomas's response upon hearing about the risen Savior. John chapter 20, verse 25. Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails... And put my finger into the place of nails. And put my hand into his side. I will not believe. Who could blame him? Right? I mean, honestly, put yourself in this position. You have followed Jesus, the Messiah, around for quite a long time visibly seeing miracles that he performed. Your experience with Jesus has been a physical one. And then you saw that physical experience physically die on a cross. And now you have your closest companions coming to you and telling you that that man that you had a physical ministry with. You physically saw the miracles. You physically experienced what it was like to be in the physical presence of Jesus, and you saw him physically die. Who could blame him for questioning it, right? Oh, come on, somebody. Who could blame him? And this is Thomas struggling with doubt. This is Thomas stepping back and going, I'm skeptical. But I love the fact that the disciples don't shame him. That the disciples don't say, oh, you ye of little faith, get away. In our culture today, if somebody says that they have doubts or struggles, we're not too kind with welcoming that conversation. How 
how can we provide a space for kids to wrestle with their faith? I mean, honestly, how can we provide an atmosphere within our families to provide a safe, welcoming space where we say, listen, just like Thomas had doubts, we all have doubts, and I want to talk about that. Well, first, I believe it's this. Allow your family to confess faith struggles openly and honestly. Give them that opportunity. Welcome that conversation. Well, pastor, how do I do that? Ask them how their relationship with Jesus is going. Ask them where they are with the fruits of the Spirit being apparent in their lives. Ask your family member, when was the last time that being in the presence of the Lord made you cry? When was the last time that being in the presence of the Lord made you feel joyful? Ask them the questions. Welcome the conversation. Ask them, where are your struggles? I love the fact that the disciples did not turn Thomas away. They didn't deny him and say, you're not one of us. You don't believe, you heathen. There's a few comments I want to make about that, but I just want to summarize by saying our culture is so harsh. My goodness. We're just so harsh. I heard it again yesterday by a mentor in my life that the church is the only place where you can find forgiveness today. God help you if you go into politics. God help you if you made a mistake when you were 15 years old and you go into politics. With social media and people being able to look through your history and see who you used to be. Friends, we have a message that's unique right now. That there's a man who offers forgiveness who keeps truly no record of wrongs. Allow your family to confess their faith struggles openly and honestly. One of the worst things that we can do is hear of one of our kids who's struggling with their faith and immediately snap back, well, you just have to believe. We've got to welcome the conversation. Next, teach your family to love God beyond emotion. Teach your students, teach your kids, hold your spouse accountable. Don't point to your spouse right now. Hold your spouse accountable. Make sure that we teach our families to love God beyond emotion. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. Love Jesus with your physical power. Love Jesus with your will. Love Jesus with your intellect. Not just emotion. Emotion is a piece of how God communicates with us, right? But it is not the guiding principle. And we are in a dangerous place when we start measuring our relationship with Jesus by emotion. Because here's what I've learned about emotion. Emotions can be misleading. Have you ever said something stupid? Not I, pastor, okay. In a moment of 
anger and a moment of hurt, have you ever said something foolish that you wish you could take back? Emotions are horrible things to follow as a guiding principle. Our emotions deceive us every morning, every time. Have you ever been hangry? I got a three-year-old where it's like Armageddon if she's hangry. And don't even get me started on my 10-month-old baby. And I think I'm worse than both of them put together, if I'm being honest. Emotions are deceiving. In youth ministry, one of the most heartbreaking things that I, that I heard a student say, we were talking about this incredible revival series, where nine, anywhere from nine to 12,000 students were at this service. When you see that amount of students around an altar pouring out their love to Jesus, it changes you. It's one of the things that I love about young people is they are passionate. And so in youth ministry, we're, we're having a discussion after this altar moment. And I asked the one student, you know, what, what did, how, how, did you, how do you feel about the altar tonight? How, how do you, and he said, well, it wasn't as good for me. Okay, um, why is that? And he looked and he said, well, last year I cried a lot more. This year I didn't. All kidding aside, that hurt my heart because I could hear that his relationship with Jesus was based off of emotion. And so many times in youth ministry, and it's not just teens who say things like this, it's adults too. They say, I just don't feel God. I just don't feel forgiven. And I'm reminded of this verse. Love the Lord your God with everything. Emotions are a piece of the puzzle. And yes, how many of you know that God does speak to our emotions? But that's not the guiding principle. And if we teach our students who right now a culture is telling them that your emotions define your identity, we need to be that much more intentional about saying, I love you, but no. God's word and his truth defines your identity. Love Jesus with your physical power, your will, your mind, your intellect. Teach your family to always follow doubt with the action step of investigation. How do we welcome conversation about struggling with our faith? How do we create that atmosphere? Friends, teach your family to always follow doubt with the action step of investigation. I don't know if you recognize this, but with the story of Thomas, doubt could have taken his relationship with Jesus. I mean, it just would have diminished it, would have been non-existent. Doubt could have really destroyed the life of Thomas. But doubt leads to investigation, which leads to an encounter, which leads to Thomas looking at Jesus and saying, my Lord, my God. His struggle led him to a conclusion where ultimately Thomas one day would lay his life down for the sake of Christ. That is a changed man. 
to go from having doubts and struggles to encountering Jesus. And then Jesus says this beautiful, this, this beautiful sentence where he says, Blessed are those who have not seen me, and yet their faith remains. That encourages me. Make sure that our doubt is always followed up by actively investigating. Asking questions, yes, but finding the answer. Worship team, would you come? Teach your family to always follow doubt with the action step of investigation. Because when we investigate, God often shows up and we're led in his truth. And doubt can be an opportunity for your student, for your child to have their faith solidified in Christ. Amen, church? Prepare your family for a future. Lastly, I want to talk to you about this principle. Prepare your family for a future that includes faith in Jesus. How do we, how do we make sure that, that faith in Jesus Christ outlives us? Because here's the reality, friends. Someday when I am dead and gone, Christ is still going to be here for my kids. When I'm not there to speak to them any longer, Christ has their back. Can I tell you how much comfort that gives me? That when I'm not around, that Christ is still going to be loving on my girls? That Christ is still going to be speaking into their lives? Molding them and shaping them? Talk about peace. So how do I make sure that faith in Jesus outlives me? I've got to reference a future in their lives and in my life that is revolved around the cross, where Christ is the center of it all. So how do we do that, pastor? How do we talk, how do we invest in their future here and now? I want to go through a few basic principles. First is this. It's simple but it's what the Bible commands us to do. Read scripture to your kids. Here's the reality. Scripture is going to be a light to your children's path forever. It's a skill that goes beyond here and now. Reading scripture, absorbing God's word in its context is necessary for the spiritual growth of our lives and your kids' lives. Memorize scripture with your children. Here's the reality. When kids are struggling with doubt or temptation, the Holy Spirit can use his own words, which they've memorized, to strengthen their faith and resolve conflict. Scripture is one of those things that it's, it's our sword. Come on, somebody. It's what we do battle with. Would you ever send your kid to battle without a weapon? And make, make no mistake, culture is looking to raise your kids. They need a weapon because they are facing arrows daily. Our kids need a faith that is not passive but is active in spiritual warfare.
memorizing scripture is the sword in which they will hold and do battle with. Teach your family to pray beyond every meal. I mean honest prayer. The reality is, is that prayer is often a gateway, a doorway into the presence of the Lord. When you teach your kids how to pray, you're teaching them how to enter into the presence of their heavenly Father. When you teach your kids to pray, prayer is the oxygen to the fire of their faith. Prayer is so necessary. Prayer, and, and in students' lives today, there's this secular teaching that the world is trying to teach them. We've so abused what it means to pray in our culture. It has become nothing more than a Facebook or Instagram status. Sending prayers, are you really? Sending thoughts, well that's great, but thoughts have never done me any good. Prayer has honest spiritual warfare prayer. Man, there's been some nights on a Wednesday night, Gary, you know this, man, where we've gathered here for prayer at 7 o'clock and I don't want to leave. Every Wednesday night when I get home, it's, I, I, I do bedtime with my daughter. I, we, we do our Bible verses, our prayer time. It's kind of our routine. And there's some nights when I text my wife and I'm like, hey, his presence is here. And I'm going to be a little bit late. Where prayer is just connects us to the Father. It is so much more than sending thoughts. It is so much more than a Facebook or social media status. It is so much more than just a phrase that we throw out. Well, I'm praying for you, and then we never follow through. Friends, we've got to teach our children. We have to teach our families. We have got to partner with one another. Come on, somebody. Prayer matters. As I close with you this morning, my final point that I want to touch on. If we want to prepare our children for a future that is centered around Christ, for a future that includes Christ, for a future with their relationship in Christ outliving us, we have to prioritize church involvement. We have to prioritize church involvement. Matthew chapter 16, 18, and I tell you that you are Peter on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. If God is building something, I want to be a part of it. Come on, somebody. If God is doing something, I want to be a part of what he's doing. And it's not a matter of if God is doing something, it's what is God doing today? And you and I have this open invitation to plug in and be the hands and feet of Jesus. We actually get to be a part of what Jesus is doing. And when God un un unveiled this plan to reach the world around us, do you know that a part of that plan to reach the world was and is the local church? We are the body of Christ. We are not a building. When we gather here, we become 
the body of Christ and every member has a purpose and a destiny that is centered and revolved around the cross. And so it is with our children. And they've got to learn what it's like to discover gifts and talents and spiritual gifts and talents that God has for them. And a part of the discovery process is getting plugged into the body of Christ, serving the body of Christ. In a few, in a few months from now, we're going to be hosting a membership class officially for those of you who are interested in becoming members here at C3. We're going to have an official membership process. And one of the questions that we're going to be asking at this membership meeting is what area would you like to serve in? Not if you would like to serve in an area. It's just biblical that each and every one of us are a part of something bigger than us. Each and every one of us carries giftings and things that can contribute to reaching the lost. Every decision that you and I make speaks what we value to our kids, and I'm closing on this. Every decision that you and I make speaks what we value to our kids. Growing up, it was, it, was no, it was no mistake that I recognized that getting involved in the body of Christ, notice how I said it, I'm not saying keep a seat warm at church. Getting plugged into the body of Christ was a priority in my household. Do you know why? Because in order for me to keep my driver's license at 16 years old, I had to be serving in the church. My parents, whenever I started working as a teenager, one of the things that I had to tell my employer is I am unavailable on Wednesday nights for youth ministry and I am unavailable on Sundays for church ministry. It was non-negotiable. Did I perceive that as you're trying to ruin my life? Maybe for a day or two. But then reality set in as I got older that this matters. Why is it important for us to get plugged into the body of Christ? Here are a few reasons, but the list is much more extensive than this. Our kids are facing a battle. The body of Christ is a fortress. Every day your kids are experiencing and they're, they are experiencing what it is like to receive new information. And most of it, if we're being honest, can we be honest today? Most of the information that our kids are receiving today is a lie. And if we want to have any hope for them doing spiritual warfare, they've got to be plugged in to the body of Christ. Part of the reason why I say that is because as God's word teaches us, no word God speaks will return void. We've got to get them around places where God's word is spoken. Amen? Kids need fellowship with other believers and ministry leaders. I recognize that how many of you have ever experienced what it's like to tell your kid, like they, you point out one truth to them, right? And they hear the same thing that you said from somebody else and all of a sudden it's a revelation. Wow. Do you know what they told me? I don't know, something I've been telling you for 10 years. I don't know why that is. But my point in saying that is there is leadership here that will say the same things you say 
but because they said it, it sticks to our kids' lives. Our kids need to experience that. Our kids, some of the closest friendships that I've had in my life, which still remain today, are kids that I went to youth ministry with. And now they're in ministry of their own, and I just pray over that. Can't believe that they're in ministry. But my wedding party was primarily made up of kids that I went to youth ministry with. Just like veterans have that battle connection or you've gone through, they've gone through boot camp with one another and there is a bond that I can't relate to because I've never been in the military. So it is with spiritual bonds. When your kids are at a camp or a kids camp or a church event and they experience the presence of God, there's a bond that is created with them. It's important. And lastly, if you would stand to your feet as we close. It's important for our kids to be a part of the body of Christ because they need to learn kingdom principles. Do you know that you and I are part of a kingdom? Do you recognize that you and I, this is not our eternal place? Thank God. We need to teach our kids principles. And a part of, a part of being a member of a different kingdom is that kingdom functions far differently than this earth. There are things that the kingdom of heaven teaches us that are important that the world looks at and says that is meaningless. And yet Jesus says, no, this is everything, serving the body of Christ, the least of these growing in the fruits of the Spirit, not just being faithful to attend church, but being fruitful. Is this making sense this morning? Friends, the family unit is under attack. It's on the ropes. And we've got to get ready to do battle. Are you ready? I mean, honestly, I know that most of us are angry enough, right? Two minutes of the news and I'm ready to like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go there this morning because we'll be here till six o'clock tonight. There's a battle that's being waged right now and make no mistake, it is a spiritual battle. If we want our kids to have a fighting chance, we've got to introduce them to Jesus who changes all statistics and everything that we've talked about today about building his church. Amen. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.